I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Rarely do you get a chance to talk about the Austins. Austin Meadows or Austin Matthews? What about Texas? Austin, Texas? Austin, Austin, Texas, home of the Valero Open the other day. We can talk about that if you wanted to. But, man, the Austins are in the news in Tampa Bay. And uh, we can start really anywhere, but let, let's start with Austin Meadows, not Austin Matthews of the Toronto Leafs. Um, okay, so Austin Meadows, and it long time rumored, obviously, that this would be the year. I think even he realized when he got to spring training, hey, he, you know, he had an interview, it's out of my control. We know they have a surplus of outfielders. Uh, I suppose, what, Steve, he's going to be a free agent after this year, is that correct? Or arbitration? Uh, no, you'd be arbitration, uh, arbitration would go up. Yes, yeah. and his salary would go up. But, but more importantly, he doesn't play very good defense. Yes, he's and a DH. He's a DH, and he's left-handed, and they have a plethora of left-handed bats in this lineup. They do indeed. And so, not surprisingly, uh, Austin Meadows was traded uh, late. And th- by the way, can these Tampa Bay teams break news anytime before 7 or 8 o'clock at night? Well, it's just a I good mean, thing we were set to record late tonight. I know. Exactly. We would have missed this deal all entirely. But, I mean, I'm in the digital uh, news business or newspaper business, if you, we used to call it. And uh, the editors really don't appreciate, like, breaking news at, like, 10 o'clock when everything else is happening, like hockey games and things. But this one broke around 10 o'clock. So Austin Meadows uh, gets traded to the Detroit Tigers, and his brother plays for that organization. That's mm-hmm. the upside for him. The training in Lakeland, I suppose, maybe that's another upside. Not the greatest of organizations right now, or or the winningest of teams. So he's he's clearly taking going from a American League champion to the Tigers. Um, and and you're right. I don't think it's about what they got. They trade him for an infielder, Isaac Paredes, who's a second baseman, third base type. Um, not many years in in pro baseball. Obviously, uh, no years I think in the majors yet. He played what thirty four games in twenty twenty. Uh, he played a little bit last year. So far, he's hit like two fifteen in the majors. Mm-hmm. Uh, Decent numbers in the minors as far as offense goes. But again, a prospect. And the Rays look. I think if if nothing else, you give the Rays credit for knowing a prospect when they see it, right? He's not major league ready yet, but he's somebody that can help. You made the point that this is really about opportunity for Josh Lowe. So you look at the outfield and, you know, who you're going to clear space for. Kevin Kiermeyer plus defender. Margot plus defender. Araza Reina plus defender. Brett Phillips plus defender. So you want to make room. Your team's built on pitching and defense. Meadows was available. And as a as a Less, he's definitely not a plus defender. He was going to basically be a DH, but you have a plethora of left-handed bats, so he was expendable. Now, if Isaac Paredes becomes something, and and I think I saw Mark Topkin kind of 
refer to him more kind of in a Yandy Diaz type of offensive role at this point or player. Um, he's a better offensive prospect in the infield than most of their young infielders. You know, take out Wander Franco and Vidal Bruhan, but beyond that. So someone for their system to work with and tweak and that. They also get a draft pick, which will be probably around number 70 this year. It's a competitive balance pick that was traded. So, um, But much like the Willie Adamas deal, although you got a lot back in that deal with J.P. Fireisen and Drew Rasmussen. But, I mean, Adamas was traded not because they wanted to get rid of Adamas, just like I don't think they wanted to get rid of Austin Meadows, but you're also trying to clear room for prospects who you think have a bigger ceiling. Yeah, Lowe is 24, and last year uh, he won the team MVP honors. He, he batted two ninety one with 22 homers, 78 RBIs. He stole 26 bases, which is incredible uh, for a guy with that much power and had a, a, a nine sixteen OPS. So this really is about opportunity, and I will say this, however, and I know – you know everything that you've said is true with respect to like the limitations you have with with uh, with Meadows because he just simply is not um, a good outfielder and you you have so many outfielders and some guys even that you know can work out there if they need to. Kiermaier was always the guy that I thought would eventually be traded. He hasn't yet, but he's such a plus plus defender. Um, he has a team high twelve million dollars salary plus. Well, that's the, you know the, I think the salary is a big year. part of it too. That's a big, big part of it. Um, Meadows, I guess, is... I mean, here's what's hard for me to replace. 33 home runs. He made the All-Star team last year. And Mm -hmm. the biggest thing, 106 RBIs. He was their clutch hitter. He was the guy driving in the runs from opening day. Um, That's a skill. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. that's, That's something that... You hope that Lowe can replicate, but 106 is a lot of RBIs. That's a lot of RBIs. And um, left-handed, DH, not DH, outfielder, not outfielder, that's a big bat in the middle of your lineup. And so so Lowe has some big cleats to fill, um, but they know what they got, and they know it's his time. And, you know, he, he it doesn't benefit him from being AAA. I know he sent down the other day procedurally. Now he comes back up. You just got to have faith. I mean, you know, it's still one of the greatest deals that any baseball team has made, right? Um, for Chris Archer with the Pirates getting Austin Meadows and Tyler Glass now. And Shane Boz. And Shane Boz. Now, it turns out all three, you know, two of those guys are hurt right now. And Glass now more seriously, maybe than Boz, who should come back. But um, what a haul for those guys. And they played a lot of good baseball. But, uh they, you know, the Rays have to make room. This is a this is exciting to me from the standpoint we've always talked about the Rays pitching and defense, which does not change. And I think this year, you know, the young pitchers have to make a huge leap. You know, they, I mean, we're going to see Shane McClanahan get the ball as the ace of the staff all year long, including on opening day, going against other number one pitchers. How does he certainly has his stuff? How does he handle it? The mental makeup of all that. Um, so young guys on the mound. Um, but you talk about a lineup now with good young hitters, right? Guys that are only going to get better. Guys that are already sort of superstars and playoff proven, if you will, in some instances, like a Rosarena. This is going to be a fun team to watch play and, and move the baseball, you know? 
maybe not as many strikeouts as we're used to seeing. Um, certainly a ton of power. And then the well, flexibility that they have in the outfield. Is I was reading David Schoenfeld from ESPN, and he mm-hmm. had rated the Rays like ninth in his power index. Mm-hmm. And his concerns were this team besides Wander Franco, can they string enough hits back-to-back together because they strike out a lot? They do. I mean, Wander Franco puts the ball in play and doesn't swing and miss much. Right. But everybody else, there's it's a lot of that. And, and in spring training, great spring training, yeah, they've hit the least amount of home runs of anybody. Is that right? Yes, but at least going into Sunday's game, they were I assume, mm-hmm. probably still the same. But now it's spring training; that doesn't mean anything. Yeah, you're getting one. You're getting one or two at bats. Yeah, you know what I mean. That's that's kind of hard to gauge because your your front line guys are only getting one. I mean, I guess apples to apples. Other teams are getting that as well. But well, and are you working on certain things in your swing? Sure, pitchers aren't throwing their normal pitches. They're, I mean, they're not sequencing their pitchers normally they might be mm-hmm. i'm working on my curve and i'm going to keep throwing you curveballs sure you know whatever i mean that you know spring training is you know you can't read too much into it i mean you can see some trends in in that but you know the stats wise you can't read into it so correct yeah it's it's just um i mean strikeouts have kind of been the way of baseball of late and and certainly the the, the rays have struck out at, uh, their share I just think you have ascending. What I like about this team is that it's young ascending players, and now you add low to that mix. Mm-hmm. Um, even Brandon Lau, right, with the what thirty nine home runs, and and he hasn't done it in the postseason, but um, still a guy who's you know a young player that can get better. So it's going to be interesting. It's an interesting team. Um, a lot of expectations. Ch- chance to make the playoffs for the fourth straight time, which they've never done. Um, Two time, you know, defending American League East champs. American American League champs two years ago. It's a hundred wins. I mean, there's so much. Like I, I feel as if this team it, they just have the one step to make. Right, get to the World Series and win it. And that's easier said than done. Clearly, when you're going up against big market teams, and no matter what happens, you're probably going to be looking at the Los Angeles Dodgers and their payroll and Freddie Freeman and all of that when you get there, um, or somebody like them. But. The expectations that now are, you know, the culture is here, uh, the, the, the young talent is here. And really, rather than having a bunch of older arms and guys that you think are going to be okay, they're young guys and you don't know their upsides yet. You know, they, they may have giant upsides. There might be a guy in that, on that staff, you know, that could be a Cy Young award winner. We don't know. It'd be nice to see Tyler Glass now back and, and you know, some of the, the talent they've lost there. But they're, you know... Their pitching staff is going to be interesting to me. They they could have somebody on that staff that's dominant. Maybe it's Shane McClanahan. But who knows? Well, you right? hope Luis Patino makes the jump this year. Absolutely. I mean, Absolutely. He's only 22 now. Drew Rasmussen. Showed. Rasmussen's underrated. Yes, and that was the big – I mean, when they traded Willie Adamas, mm-hmm. J.P. Fireisen was the one who made the impact immediately. In the bullpen, yeah. But the real pitcher they wanted in the deal and the reason they made the deal – was one to clear room for Wander Franco, but two, it was Drew Rasmussen mm-hmm. that they really liked. And when they moved him to the starting rotation late last year, he thrived. Mm-hmm. And you're hoping he continues and takes that next step this year to continue doing that. Right. Yeah. So, um, fan favorite, good guy, really good guy, popular player, um, good family. Again, his brother plays in the Tigers organization. It'd be a great story if they were both in the majors together. But uh, farewell to uh, 
Austin Meadows of the Tampa Bay Rays. And hello, uh, Austin Matthews, not playing for one of the Tampa Bay teams, more likely just destroying one of them. By the way, he's really good. Oh, my God. You know how good he you know, First of all, he's going to score 60-plus goals this year, which is incredible, which right? Which no one's done since Steven Stamkos 10 years ago. Ten year, a decade. I saw that a decade has gone by. He now has, I want to say, fifty three. Is that right? Fifty two, fifty four now. I think fifty four now because he. So he has a hat trick. <laughs> he spits out a hat trick. By the way, it was his seventh hat trick of the year. Yeah, that's. I mean, that's unbelievable. It was his first hat trick on the road, and when I tell you, like the nonchalance of of his, you know, performance, and and of course. John Cooper, who was livid about it in his own sort of, you know, sarcastic way, said basically, well, you know, we just let the guy, we made it easy for him. I mean, we just, the way we played, like, we didn't even challenge him. Well, he, he said, he said the, the, that game was more like a light practice for the Maple Like a practice, yeah. Like, they were just kind of skating around, and then, you know, he would stand out there, and the puck would come to him, and he'd fire it, and nobody would be around him. Um, it was three of the easier goals you will see, probably, that, that, that he will see, that Matthews will see. But, boy, is he good, and Toronto is good. And this is now, you know, it looked like that the Lightning coming off that long road trip has sort of righted the ship a little bit. Uh, they played a really loose and poor game against Montreal, and they got a point out of it, but they, you know, they gave up, what, uh, five goals in that one, I want to say. Um, what was it, four? It was four to three? No, it was four, four. It was five, well, Four in regulation, and right? Then, then the, the shootout. shootout, the shootout. So four goals in that one, and then and then six goals. They lose six to two, six to two to Toronto. And when I tell you it wasn't close, folks, it wasn't close. Um, Toronto, you know, could have scored more than that. And Matthews gets the hat trick, and it's sort of like, I mean, his reaction was no reaction. Like, hmm, okay, like it, it was so businesslike and so easy. And it's not easy to do what he was doing. What a player. What a scorer this guy is. You know, what a force. And how do you lose track of him in front of your own net as many times as they did? Well, lately the Lightning have been losing track of everybody. Of everybody, yeah. Yeah. They've got a problem, and and you know what side of the ice it's on. It's defense. And they're not getting much help from the other guys, you know, on the other side of the ice. But like, Well, well, here's what worries me most about tonight's game. And uh, look, I thought the first period was pretty even. It was ended up one one. Mm-hmm. First goal was kind of an unlucky bounce for Zach Bogosian, trying to keep the puck in at the blue line. It hit off the the Maple Leafs player and created a chance. Mm-hmm. But the last four goals, it was Point and Kucherov on the ice for. Mm. Stamkos for the first two of those, then he was taken off that line, so he wasn't on for the last two. Yeah. But once again, we saw Point, Kucherov, and Stamkos not playing, not being responsible defensively. Right, right. And you know that's all. It, it seems like every time they put that line together, there's a couple games where it looks great, and then they just it's all about trying to score. And as Cooper right. says, it's about what we keep out, not what we put in. Except that mm-hmm. line becomes what we try to put in, not what we keep out. Right. Yeah, too many turnovers, uh, sloppy play, giving up easy chances on not playing on the defensive end. He says until we, until we start playing good on our side, there's no sense in worrying about what we do when we cross the blue line over there. 
because we're not getting it done, you know, in front of our goaltender. And this has been a pattern now. I mean, this has been a thing for a while. Like defensively, it used to be, you know, the Lightning, if you if they got a lead and they, they rarely seem to be ahead anymore, but when they got a lead, they would choke you out. That's what we got we got used to seeing, how they could play the two hundred foot game and you know, be sound and protect what's the best goaltender in the world. They're not protecting anybody and they're giving away too way too many easy chances. And that's a problem. I mean, you don't have that many games to go. Somebody somebody asked, uh, well, you know, you think you can get this cleaned up before the playoffs? He goes, Look, we're not in the playoffs. You know, and right now they're what a wild card team, I guess. They would now be the wild card team now. It. Their magic number is still nine with thirteen games to play. Yeah, I mean, which in means, all probability, which means really five wins, mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. five losses by the Islanders. By the other, yeah, right. I mean, you know, you're uh, you're not in yet. Technically, you don't have the X by your name, but right, right. They're not going to miss the playoffs. No. No, in all probability they're going to make it, but they can't make it playing the way they're playing. And then, like I said, it looked like coming off that road trip they had sort of gotten their game back, and and it's you know it's slipped away again. And now they've got Washington on Wednesday, and Ovechkin has scored over fifty goals, and they, you know they're they're doing well. And then you've got Boston on Friday, so it doesn't get easier. And when you get to the postseason, you're going to see teams like Florida. You know, it's, I mean, th- this this is why it's hard, you know, to repeat, much less this this team is trying to go for three in a row, which is unprecedented. And I still think that they'll turn it up a little bit when they get to the postseason, but they need to start those habits now. And they've they played two pretty loose games, four oh. goals and six. As Cooper said, you give up four and six, you're not going to win. Brian Engblom brought up another good point, as he often does, because he's one of the best in the business. He said the game changed real quick in that first period when they gave the 10-minute misconducts to Maroon and Wayne Simmons. Mm-hmm. And we talked about this after Sunday's or Saturday's game against Montreal. That game became no hitting. It was just pure speed up and down the ice and no physicality. That's correct. So this is two games in a row, and so the Belmar line is lost when that happens, mm-hmm. including Pat Maroon and Corey Perry. Right. And Toronto was hungrier and faster to everything tonight. Right. And so the Lightning didn't stand a chance when that happened. Now, I, I, in the playoffs, I don't think you're going to see games as as little physicality as with, with the Lightning have seen the last two games. And the Lightning kind of built their team more for physicality by adding Brendan Hagel, by adding Nick Paul. Mm-hmm. And that's not the game that's being played right now. And well, I think ask, I think Ryan McDonough on the back end is hurting too. That's hurt him. Yeah, I was going to say like they're missing one of their top defenders and shot blockers. Let me ask you this: missing their best defender at the blue line. Right. When was the last time? Seriously, and I watched most of the Lightning game, but when was the last time you saw two players chirping at each other from the bench get ten minute penalties? It's, it's I I don't know. I mean, it's. I've never seen it, and I don't watch hockey all the time, but I've watched enough games. I mean, they were warned, granted, like, okay, knock it off, and they just, but they're on their benches, respectively. Uh-huh. And, and, you know, this usually results when the next time the line changes and they're both on the ice, they're going to drop the gloves and go at it, okay, fine. Then they get a fighting penalty. But this what? was shut up or we're going to put you in the box for 10 minutes, and they did. I think the referee did that to avoid a fight on the ice. 
Probably, yeah. Because he said, when you guys come out next, you're going to fight. So let me just, I'm going to head this mm-hmm. off. Right, right. But that does but that I, happen I, often? No, I mean, does no, it? No, no. I mean, you you might get a penalty chirping something from the bench if you're chirping something at the officials. Oh, sure. Yeah, there are, there are some magic words there. I think they said what Maroon said. Ingvon told us. He said uh, he, basically, he basically told the guy, it doesn't matter. You're going to be in the NHL next year anyway. <laughs> so I suppose he knows. I don't know why he thinks that's true. Well, but Simmons is older. I mean, he may. It could he be done. Might be. I yeah. mean, Maroon's got a new contract, so he's in for a few more years. Yeah. But so he basically told him, "You're not going to be in. The, you're going to be in the league anyway. So shut up." <laughs> um, but yeah, ten minutes. I thought, and that was like you're right. That's the physical aspect of their game, and they certainly missed it. And you know, it's ten minutes, man. It wasn't. You know, that half the first period was gone. By the time they got out of the box, so they've been taking way too many penalties anyway, for the most part. I mean, it's sort of cleaned that up a little bit, but uh, but man, what what a what a display! And and I guess it's that time of year, Steve. You're in the arena. Like I went to the Chicago game. There was a ton of Blackhawk fans, a lot of Toronto fans tonight, right? There were. I thought there was more. I guess it's hard to tell because of the they're all blue color. and white. I mean, the blue the color makes it hard yeah, to yeah, tell. Yeah. Right, right, right. Yeah, it's almost impossible, in fact. But um, you know, Montreal, but yeah. Chicago have the red. So yeah, there was a I lot mean, of red in that building a couple nights. You ago. know, the one thing with Toronto is we're still in spring training season, where the Blue Jays are here as well as the Maple Leafs, so you can come down and catch both teams. Yeah, and I think that's true in general. Is yeah. that this is the tourist season of you know of, of the year, and people are down for spring training, they're down for spring break. Uh, there's a lot of obviously, you know, transplants that live here. Um, we saw one guy the other day and she, uh, with the Blackhawks. He was sitting um, near the ice where my kids were, and he began the game with a Blackhawks jersey, and then quickly cha- put a Stamkos jersey over his Blackhawks jersey as he was watching the game. So they thought that was interesting. But yeah, so uh, you could hear the Toronto cheers, and what what a night! And Matthews is just I mean, he's the best player in hockey, right? I mean, there's not there's no dispute right now, is there? Well, I mean Connor McDavid. Score, I mean, Connor McDavid yeah. is generally considered the best player in hockey. Okay, so what Austin would Matthews what would Matt is having the best, the best season right now? I mean, he's having okay. the best season, I think. But he's going to win the Richard Trophy for like the third year in a row, isn't he, or something like that? Uh, is he going? to Yeah, uh, something like. I mean, I, Austin Matthews and him and Marner together are just fantastic. Oh my God! Yeah. Um, you know, Connor McDavid has that element of you know how fast he is. Right. Right. Both and, those and, guys, it looks like the puck never leaves the stick, by the way. Yeah. No, the it puck, just like I mean, it's attached to it. The great players, that's the puck follows them around. I mean Yeah. Literally. It's crazy. Yeah. That's I mean it's what makes them so great. Yeah. The puck's I mean, they, always and, on their stick. And when I take like this one goal, he's you know, it, it, the puck came to him as as you said, the great players it comes to them. And it was the most relaxed little flick of the wrist I've ever seen. Just like he was, like like Cooper said, like we were practicing or something. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film. If only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for fifteen dollars a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of forty five dollars, equivalent to fifteen dollars per month, unlimited over forty gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at four eighty p. Active Mint customers by five thirty one twenty four get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May thirty first, twenty twenty four. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply. If rated PG. 
All right, and finally, uh, the big event, of course, was the men's basketball national championship game, and a good game it was. The Rock Chalk Kansas Jayhawks win the national basketball championship. They rallied down from actually 16 points, but 15 points at halftime they were trailing. Very entertaining game. They win 72-69 over North Carolina, and... It was. Uh, I felt bad. I, I had to make a phone call to somebody um, at halftime. I waited till halftime because I knew they were watching the game and they were a Carolina fan. And I made the call to them and talked for a little bit. And then I got off the phone and then it was a 15-point lead for Carolina. I feel like I got to call them back and apologize because I changed the whole game for them. I, I know that's superstitious and all that, but like, like you don't see many 15-point leads in a national championship game go away. It's never happened like that, before. I know. I mean, literally, it's never happened. So it's history. And and it wasn't, like, subtle. Like, it went away fast, you know. And yet, and yet, Carolina had a chance and took a couple of threes, a chance to tie the game and, and did not make them. So it was, it was like, you know, a last possession type of uh, finish. It was really exciting. Uh, good basketball, obviously, Blue Bloods in both Kansas and North Carolina. Um, I don't know. You know, Bill Self is sort of, been demonized because somehow he's escaped uh, that FBI probe, um, you know, into payments and all that sort of stuff that I can't really get into because I can't speak intelligently about his or Kansas's role in any of that. But um, really good basketball game. And, you know, kind of had it on when I was watching Lightning. I was keeping an eye out for it. But you just don't see that and never have seen that in a national championship game down 16, 15 at halftime, and they come back and win. That's going to be hard on those North Carolina kids who – had an unbelievable season under Hubert Davis. I mean, they they started out uh, very pedestrian, uh, not very good at all. I think at one point they might have been ten and eight or something like close to five hundred, and then just went on this tear in this run through the tournament, um, and and looked like they were in control. Not at the beginning. Kansas kind of jumped out to a little bit of lead, and then and then boy, they uh, North Carolina surged, and it, was, it looked like it was over. So good for the Jayhawks. Uh, if you're a Jayhawks fan, I'll say this about Kansas. Um, I just was in your state. It is a very long I-70 road state full of farms and windmill farms, and it was freezing cold. So thank God you have basketball to celebrate because, man, I know that's where we grow a lot of our food, thank God, through the Midwest and stuff. Um, but, man, that state, we went through Lawrence. I think we, we came near Lawrence. I saw some of the Kansas KU athletic facilities and things like that, but, um, they'll be celebrating for sure out uh, out there in the Midwest. But uh, good good basketball game, good tournament. Maybe not a surprise in terms of who who ended up in the. I, I still feel like this should have well, been North Carolina Shusky's an eight year. seed being in a final was. Yeah, it was huge. Yeah, but there's still a blue blood. You know what I mean? Like yeah. when North Carolina is an eight seed, no one really buys it, right? It's like, well, it's not a good Carolina team. They were good enough to end Coach K's career, and I, I still feel like this thing should have been rigged where Coach K was playing in the finals and he had a chance to win. I mean, he got to the Final Four, so he did have a chance. But it, it, just, it just seemed like to me that that he was going to get you know that national championship game and, and maybe cut down the Nets one final time. Didn't happen. One shining moment belongs to the Kansas Jayhawks. And St. Peter's. And St. Peter's, right. Which were, yeah, which was really the, the darling of the tournament. You know, I mean, that, that was the fun, the Cinderella uh, that made it all the way to the Elite Eight. So that was, that was a lot of fun. So we're through the basketball, college basketball season. Um, next up, 
some teams in the NFL began their offseason workout programs for those that had first-year coaches. The Bucks will begin their offseason workout pro- program next Monday, I nope. believe. Do they get do they get a first-time coach one now? I mean, or- well, they they were I think they were eligible for it, but the fact of the matter is is that uh you know, Todd Bowles and and of course he didn't find out he was going to be the head coach until recently. They had already scheduled these coaches to be off. Now, the coaches were back in the building for the first time on Monday, but not ready to receive players and begin right. what his phase was of the off-season off workout program. So they will they will merely keep their schedule as if uh, you know Bruce Arians was coach or uh, they didn't have a first-year coach. And really, you know, the, the extra week is, 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 well, it's maybe an advantage, but it's actually for – you know, install. It's it's for helping guys install their new systems, both offensively, defensively. When you have a new head coach, there's not dramatic change in terms of the systems or the schemes or even who the assistants are. You have a new head coach, obviously, um, but it's different. And I don't I don't think that they need that extra week, and they're not going to take it as it turns out. So they'll start next week. Um, they're gonna, the draft, of course, is May 28th through the 30th, and then. Uh, it won't April, be the next weekend. April 28th but the, through the 30th. April, I'm sorry, April 28th through 30th. And then it'll be uh, two weeks after that uh, Sunday that, uh, you know, two weekends before the Bucks have their, their rookie mini camp. Uh, they won't do it the weekend after the draft, but after that. Uh, so we're really getting into the, to the uh, you know, start sort of the, the slow rollout of the new season. It'll run all the way through the middle of June with the mandatory mini camp. And then the only break we get, if you cover the NFL, if you're in the NFL, is uh, at the end of June, right around the first tarp, first part of July, uh, and then we'll go to training camp at some point. And we we got schedules that will come out sometime in April. We'll find out where the Bucks are going. Uh, we know they're going to Germany. We know that the team they're not going to play in Germany is the Green Bay Packers because they protected that game. So the Packers will be coming to Raymond James Stadium, which will be a big draw, obviously, for everybody. And... Um, you know, so there's a lot of fun little things, you know, coming down the pike with the Bucks, including what Rob Gronkowski is going to do. Um, like I said, we're, they're still waiting on some free agents. I'll say this about Blaine Gabbert, uh, and I'll probably write something about it as well. But uh, you know, people are asking, like, what are they going to do at backup quarterback? Because we know they re-signed Ryan Griffin, and we know that obviously Brady is back. Now Kyle Trask would seem to be eventually the heir apparent to Brady. But he didn't get to practice much last year. He had a short season. He's going to likely have one again. So I was, I've, been, I've been asked, like, well, are they going with Trask as the number two? Like, is that is sort of that the plan? And he'll get a chance to compete for it, obviously. I mean, you can't just, like, pull, you know, pull the rug and say, hey, sorry, pal, you're, you're the inactive third guy. Um, but they, I think they, they still want to re-sign Gabbard. And I, from what I understand, it's just a, it's a contract dispute. You know, Gabbard thinks he's worth X. And the Bucks want to pay him why, and they're not close. And so what's going to get really interesting, I think, is that Tom Brady wants Blaine Gabbert to be his backup. And when you get a quarterback like Brady, like Peyton Manning, um, I can remember when Sean King one time went to Indianapolis, you know, and he was quarterbacking in the preseason. He outplayed the heck out of Jim Sorge, but Jim Sorge got the job. And even Tony Dungy knew that, King outplayed him, but it came down to who Peyton Manning wanted in the room. And the number two quarterback has a job to do to help help the starter. And uh, you know whether it's with film breakdown, in the case of you know of Gabbard, he helped them learn the offense too. And so I think Tom is comfortable with Gabbard. So that's I still think the plan is Blaine. Um, 
whether it takes it's going to take some time or uh, you know, I don't know what Blaine's leverage is in terms of like, are there other teams that want to sign him possibly, but without, without a solid offer that, you know, is substantially more than what the Bucks offer is his real leverage is Tom Brady. You know, his real leverage is, Hey, that guy wants me as the quarterback. Um, but they don't have a ton of money and they don't have a ton of money to spend on the quarterback position because they're trying to retain as many free agents as they can. And that might mean getting Gronk back, getting Sue back, getting guys that are going to cost more money uh, than a quarterback that you hope to never play uh, and may or may not have a market to go to. So um, so if you're asking, you know, are the Bucks done with Blaine Gabbert, the answer is no, they're not. And I don't think Blaine is done talking to them either. It's just going to take some time. And, you know, maybe sometime after the draft, we'll see. You know, there could be teams that are going into the draft hoping, expecting uh, to draft a quarterback if they can't. Maybe they look at Gabbert, and so suddenly that creates a market for him. I just don't know. But it sure seems to me more likely than not that he'll be back here if uh, if they can work it out. And, you know, that's what the offseason is about. That's what free agency is about. You know, it's about trying to get as much money as you can and security and all of that. And if things had fallen a different way, look, Blaine Gabbert might have a contract as a starter uh, or at least one, you know, similar to Marcus Mariota or something like that they expect to start where you could make 7 or $8 million. Um, in terms of guarantees, and then go go forward based on the number of starts that you make and playing incentives, and maybe maybe make ten or fifteen million dollars a year. Who knows? Uh, Jameis Winston was guaranteed what twenty one million dollars, I think, um, over the two years, which is which is great for him. So I don't I don't think the Bucks are going to invest that with Brady here, um, but I do think that uh, more likely than not they'll get it worked out. And and, and Blaine is still. I think the priority uh, as far as a backup goes, but we'll see. All right. So what do you think? Should we do uh, a mailbag tomorrow? Perhaps we haven't done one of those in, in quite some time. Yeah, we could do that. I've gotten some questions, uh, especially on Bruce Arians, Tom Brady, all the conspiracy mm-hmm. stuff. Um, some other things uh, already piling in. You can send those questions to us on Twitter at sports day TV. You can reach me on Twitter at NFL Stroud or my email address is R Stroud at Tampa Bay. Mailbag tomorrow. All questions answered 100% correctly. Your money back, and we'll do that. So thanks for listening. For Steve Ersnick, I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times. Have a great day, everybody. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.